Hey everyone, welcome back to the Murder Board Podcast. This is Civil Trials, the discussion show for the Murder Board Podcast. I am your host, Walter, and tonight I am here with Shelton. Hello. And Javon. Welcome back, Javon. What's poppin'? <laughs> and tonight we are continuing with True Crime July series, and we will be talking about the Zodiac Killer as well as the movie Zodiac from 2007. Um, you know, before we get into all the the official movie stuff, uh, I want to ask you guys, how familiar are you with the Zodiac Killer case? We'll start with uh, we'll start with Javon. Um, not at all. I'm not <laughs> familiar with it at all. I mean, is it? I feel like it's one of those murder. Like, I, I don't really, I don't really keep up with like the world's like most unsolved crimes or like stuff yeah. like that. Like the most unsolved thing I've ever kept up with has been, um, and this was like way back in like the Pilgrim days, as far as like when they were taking boats in America was kind of yeah. new. But it, it's it's the one that's still kind of baffled. Like it, it's just stuck in, it sticks in my head. Um, you probably know it too. It's the one where like the whole, not village, oh, but the Roanoke. whole oh, little, Roanoke, the, the lost village, Roanoke. Roanoke. Yeah, oh, yeah. I love that story. Yeah, like that. That story is insane to me. Like. Yeah. So that I've kept up with. I feel like the murders where people get they get away with. I feel like in this, this is based in the sixties and seventies, mm-hmm. back when you had paper, everything, <laughs> fact facts was new. You know, like facts was faxing was a new thing. There were no cell phones, and there was nothing. There was no really no technology at all. And it's like so you could literally kill somebody in one state. As you're moving, like you could be like, I'm, I'm moving next week. You can kill someone on the evening that you're moving and then move out of town, and technically no one would ever find people out. People are more trusting then, too. Would, so it's like somebody would do it, and people would rather be like, that that person, because they pissed me off, or they'll be like, I don't know. They were nice to me. They'd never do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so how, how familiar are you with the movie we're talking about here today? Um, I've watched the the majority of the movie I'm wa- I mean I've watched the movie and because it's unsolved it's kind of like one of those things of like uh you know what I'm saying like it's one of those endings where you already know what the ending yeah. is <laughs> because it's unsolved and, uh do you remember this movie coming out you're a little older than us yeah I remember it's I remember from a while ago like cuz it came out a while ago gotcha got and uh, I think my pops my pops always likes these like these top types of movies and so um we watched it with him a long time ago. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Him, um, so I remember him watching it, and then me like walking into the room while he was watching it. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, so shifting over to Shelton here, are, how familiar are you with the Zodiac Killer case? Um, I did know that like it was something that went throughout the span of like years, the whole investigation, and you know the murders picking up and then slowing down and picking back up again. Um, I knew they left codes too but i didn't i didn't know it was like a whole like i don't know i I didn't think it was as blown up as like the movie portrayed it which maybe it wasn't i'm not too sure but um yeah i i didn't i didn't know about those few things that's really about it all right uh yeah, uh, I would say that uh, even before my whole true crime phase way back when, I did I do remember hearing about the Zodiac Killer. Again, like I said in our um, our 
uh, Jeffrey Dahmer podcast from uh, the episode before. Uh, uh, while Jeffrey Dahmer was always like a punchline, Zodiac was always like the whole, ooh, it's still out there. Maybe this is, this. It, it all, you know, it was kind of like a joke, but yeah. also kind of like a warning. Super no. ominous. Yeah, so... Man, he's probably dead. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as the movie go, I I have I I never knew this movie existed until about three years ago, when my brother was born, and uh, I would keep him in the mornings, and uh, you know, uh, he was a small baby then, so we would just be up eating snacks, and I would just put on a random movie. He wouldn't know what was going on, but it was mainly for me to stay awake because it, he would fall asleep. But, uh, you know, this is one of those movies that I watched while being up with him at like six or five in the morning. And I'm like, this movie is long. But I remember not finishing it because he went to sleep and I just I couldn't keep my eyes open. So I did watch it again before this recording in full. And I do have a I have a few things to say. So um, we're going to I'm going to get into some movie facts here. So get ready for some Zodiac slash Zodiac killer movie facts. Let's get it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the movie came out in the movie Zodiac came out in March second, two thousand seven. It was directed by David Fincher. Um, you know, full disclosure, this is like my third favorite director ever. I'm gonna get into that a little bit, but uh, so yeah, this is directed by David Fincher. Um. He David Fincher, you may or may not know him. Well, I'm gonna say this. Do you, are you guys familiar with this director? No. Uh-uh. Okay, so he also directed Alien Three, which was his first like full feature. He also, I think, he's mostly famous for Seven. He also did Fight Club, Panic Room, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Social Network, and uh, yeah, the American version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and most recently, Gone Girl. He is also the producer of House of Cards, which was Netflix's first original show. And he did uh, Mindhunter as well. Hmm. And uh, so I'm pretty sure you guys have seen some of those movies, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I've seen a lot of those, yeah. Yeah, I freaking love this guy. Uh, he has such a unique style to him, though. Uh, like, I can get into it. But uh, fun fact, though, uh, back in like 20. 20- 11 2012 he was considered to direct the amazing spider-man series so just imagine how different things would have gone if he directed it hmm. I, th- I think it would be pretty good uh you know that andrew garfield was in the social network so there's that connection it probably could have been better honestly than Man. how it turned out yeah tom holland would probably never existed <laughs> mm-hmm. uh but yeah like i said he is like my third favorite director you know my number one is christopher nolan number two i have to go to tarantino but david fincher now I, thing is i haven't seen all of his movies uh i've never seen alien three i've never seen seven uh i've never seen the american version of the girl with the dragon tattoo but all the rest of them i have seen so, uh, you know, like Fight Club, I love watching Fight Club. I kind of grew up watching Panic Room because it was always on TV. Curious the Case of Benjamin Button, I remember it being a huge deal when it came out, like a huge thing. Uh, the Social Network was awesome. Uh, you know, I remember sitting down and watching that movie and then later that year watching the Oscars. I don't remember if it won any. And then uh, a favorite from, you know, people on this podcast is uh, Gone Girl. I love Gone Girl. I have it on DVD. 
you know, if you haven't seen Gone Girl, check it out. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like he—he—he's such a. I like stud. He's the one I like studying the most out of the the three I've mentioned, the three directors I've mentioned, because he's so subtle with it. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, you know, or you know, if you ever looked at this guy's directing style, you know, everything's kind of dark. And it's uh it's usually very visual heavy, and then uh you know not not too much dialogue at times, but uh my favorite thing about him is that he's very subtle with the camera, in the fact that he rarely moves it, but when he does move it is it has such a meaningful like m- movement to it, and Javon maybe you have noticed this, but like for example, um in you know the way he does it is like if someone picks up a coffee cup he moves the camera to where you know the same pace of that person picking up the coffee cup drinking it and then putting it down but the thing is you'll never really notice it but uh it's so fantastic if you look into it uh i remember watching a uh, youtube video and uh they were kind of just like breaking this all down they call they you know they say that david finger hijacks your eyes because he makes it feel like you're moving with the characters and i feel like that's another thing that he's amazing at it's just like you know out of all his movies i think the reason they're all famous and uh i would even say groundbreaking is mainly two reasons which is he's very good with character visually he makes you understand the character with the camera and how everything's framed uh and then you know he also has a really unique way of using cgi uh, you know, for example, in this movie that we're talking about today, uh, when you get to the taxi, the taxi uh, murder scene and they're, they're on the crime scene, uh, you know, you would you would notice that everything in the background is a green screen. And only thing that's on the only thing that's there is the car. I did, yeah, I did I, yeah, I did notice that. that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it, because you could tell when Ruffalo went over there that like it was yeah. like kind of off like it was kind of yeah like yeah weird. you can notice now but like still it's so like it's amazing it, it's it's so weird how he he entered like he he's able to edit with uh cgi and green screen like that uh there's tons of there's other examples as well i believe in like gone girl uh you know gone girl is a very bloody movie i believe some of the blood is cgi too uh but yeah that i just i can go on and on about it i love david fincher but again, I, I need to watch all the rest of his movies. Uh, although he he started off as like a music video director, I believe. I think he did. Uh, yeah, he did what Paula Ab- Paula Abdul and David Bowie with some of his uh, music videos. Oh wow! Mm, interesting. Yeah. So uh, that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, that's, no a diff- that's a that's a jump, right? That's a yeah. different. Well, you jump. know, at this time, like I believe from what the period of uh two thousand. I believe like from 2000 to 2008, you had all these like new like new school directors that were all like music video based. Like I know Zack Snyder was music video based before he got uh before he got like 300 and Watchmen. Uh, that's like you know a lot of these visual directors came around around this time, and he was definitely a part of that. So um, again, we're talking about Zodiac came out in tw- uh, 2007. Uh, this movie stars half the cast of American Horror Story and half the cast of, uh, or half of the people that are involved with the MCU, which I, yeah. I find absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we're, we have starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, Chloe Sevinga, Sevilling. I don't know how to say her name, but uh, 
<laughs> she she plays the girlfriend and a later wife, but she's all throughout American Horror Story in some seasons. That's where okay, I, yeah. I kept knowing she was familiar. Yeah, yeah. and she ended up, yeah, she ends up uh, dipping out yep. at the end. Yeah. She's uh um she's also known as I didn't notice, but she's also known as the indie film queen. So she's in a lot of indie movies. Um, I know she was you know next week we're gonna go deep into the nineties with an, uh, another movie. But uh, I know she's uh, she was related to uh, Larry Clark, who's a, a director from the '90s. But we also have uh, John Carroll Lynch, another American Horror Story alum, with his uh, few seasons. Uh, most recently, 1984. He was also yeah. uh, Twisty the Clown and Freak Show and Cult. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> if you're an American Horror Story fan or an MCU fan, you would you you should definitely check this movie out just for them. Uh, we also have. Uh, involved in this movie is Anthony Edwards, Lee Norris from uh, Boy Meets World fame, Adam Goldberg, and Brian Cox. And any movie with Brian Cox in it is, well, you know, it's worth, worth watching. Also, uh, if no one noticed, uh, as of this recording, this past week was the 20th anniversary for X-Men. Brian Cox was in X2. And uh, later in this series, we'll be talking about uh, Hannibal Lect- the Hannibal Lecter series in which Brian Cox was the first guy to play Hannibal Lecter. So there's that. Hmm. All right. So the movie tells the story of the manhunt for the Zodiac Killer, a serial killer who terrorized San Francisco, the San Francisco Bay Area during the the late 1960s and early 70s. The Zodiac Killer retaliated by uh, taunting the police with letters, bloodstained clothing, and ciphers mailed into newspapers. The case remains one of the America's most infamous unsolved murders. Uh, this whole movie is based on the book of the same name by Robert Gray Smith, who was played by Jake Gyllenhaal in the movie. Director David Fincher and screenwriter James Vanderbilt has also, uh, as well as their producers, spent 18 months conducting their own research into the Zodiac murders before filming the movie. The film's budget was $65 million. And its box office was eighty four point million. Oh, so not a big yeah. turnaround. Well, there's a reason for that because, like I said, this is this movie came out in two thousand and seven. Uh, two thousand seven was a packed uh, year for movies. Like I, I remember this year, and then I don't remember this year. And I want to know: do you do you guys remember any anything from two thousand seven? Yeah, really. I don't remember. I don't remember a lot at all. I was nine at the time. Uh, I'm guessing what Shelton, you were ten. Yeah, I was eighteen. Oh, well, look at that. So yeah, different. So different points of views. But uh, the reason I asked because you know, especially for movies, like I remember 2007 getting a lot of Oscar talk. Like this is around the time I remember hearing about the Oscars for the first time. I'm a big like Oscars advocate. I love the Oscars, um, despite everybody not loving the Oscars. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna just I'm a, I have a list here of movies that came out in t- 2007, and I basically just want your reactions uh, after each one. So I'm gonna just kind of rail them off, and you guys just get your reactions in there. So starting off, we have No Country for Old Men. There will be blood. Juno. I pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber on Fleet Street, Hannibal Rising, Dead Silence, Freedom Riders, I Am Legend, Alvin and the Chipmunks, oh. Super Bad, Spider-Man 3, The Bridge to Terabinthia, 
the first Transformers, Enchanted, Stephen King's The Mist, Stephen King's 1408, Disturbia, Ratatouille, Paranormal Activity, Rob Zombie's Halloween remake, Ghost Rider, Fantastic Four, The Rise of the Silver Surfer, Knocked Up, Hairspray, Epic Movie, Norbit, The B-Movie, and The Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, and Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Let that all sink in. Like, wow. This is a lot. I know. Wow. Like Spider-Man 3. I I saw that movie in theaters. So I did not remember this movie coming out in 2007. Yeah, no. I saw Fantastic Four. I saw a lot of these movies in theaters, in fact. And I don't remember where or how. Like, uh, I remember watching Fantastic Four in uh in theaters. Um, I remember when the B movie came out. Uh, I, I watched that movie like all the time. Uh, I you know, <laughs> Super Bad was always something I was trying to sneak watch. By the time it came out on DVD, my parents had it. Uh, I was super into Alvin the Chipmunks at the time. So when that movie came out, I was super excited. I even remember Hannibal Rising come out, which is the movie from the Hannibal series that no one remembers. <laughs> Uh man, even Freedom Riders, I remember coming out. Like, there's a lot of stuff here. Juno was uh was big at the time. Uh, There Will Be Blood was also big at the time. So this movie, I yeah, I, I remember. Yeah. That movie was that massive, movie was huge, and also you know I feel like a lot of people went because there was a Batman versus Superman like teaser in the background somewhere. <laughs> but you know Will Smith was that was that dude. He he was put bust. But I, man, the ones that tripped me out is like Paranormal Activity. I don't remember that movie coming out. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't either. Not uh, uh, like I do remember the seeing the trailers for Epic Movie, but you know those like spoof movies were kind of dead at this point, or they were like on their way out. Yeah. Uh, I do remember Norbit being a big thing too. That was like Eddie Murphy's like comeback, but then a lot of people didn't like it. But then like a lot of people did like it. Like it, it made a lot of money. Like that's all I remember. I don't know. I thought it was good. I'm surprised yeah, yeah. a lot of people didn't like it. I haven't watched it in a long time, but uh, man, even Harry Potter, like Harry Potter, this is like I just rewatched all the Harry Potter movies, uh, and this one is like the the middle one. I believe it's like part five, or... part five or six. It's one of those two. But this one, like this, was smack dead in the middle of that whole like Harry Potter fandom. So it it, it just really surprised me. Like when I looked it up, like. Zodiac was just like in the middle of all these movies, which is probably why I never even realized this movie existed. Yeah, but, sounds about right. Yeah. So uh one last movie fact here. Uh the Zodiac was played by several different actors in order for them to keep the illusion that we still don't know who the Zodiac is. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but I definitely did. I did on the scenes where um where you can see like the back of his head. Yeah, like they were they yeah. were purposely using like different sizes. Like I know um, the guy at the beginning was very short, but then you get to the to the lake scene and it's a very like tall, beefy dude. Yeah, with a little beer gut. Yeah, and then and then you get to the um, when they when they interviewed the one guy who had the zodiac yeah. watch. Like I, I mean, like. That dude right there, man. Like, oh yeah, John Carroll Lynch is a. <laughs> I was like that. I was like, that's gotta be. <laughs> he's, a, he's a great. They made it seem like it was, but we'll we'll get into it. 
Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a short break here, and then we're going to get into the actual Zodiac Killer facts. All right, and we're back. So uh, I'm going to get into some Zodiac Killer facts here about the case and everything that happened. Uh, I'm going to try and simplify it because this was a lot. And uh, we're, we're mostly going to be talking about the movie here. So, uh, again, just kind of, you know, interject your reactions in there, guys. All right. So starting off, the, the Zodiac Killer or just Zodiac is the pseudonym for the unidentified serial killer who operated in Northern California from the late six, 1960s to the early 1970s. The name originated from the series of cards and letters delivered to the San Francisco press. He claimed to have killed 37 people, but only five were confirmed dead. There were two injured and a possibly another 20 to 28 dead. But, you know, it's just kind of unknown. So uh, going through the murders here. Okay, so on December 20th, 1968 in California, 17-year-old David Faraday and 16-year-old Betty Lou Jensen were shot while parked on Lover's Lane during their first date. Now, man, this, I feel like, I don't know if this is right to say, but like, are we allowed to have like favorite murders in real life? Is, is that a thing? Or is that too I mean, insensitive? I don't know. People say favorite murderers? Serial killers. So I don't, I don't see Yeah, but like your, your favorite like murder, <laughs> like, because this, this opening, and it's also the opening of the movie, but this first murder to me is just, it's just classic, like, you know, yeah. late 50s or early, uh, late 60s, you know, you got like, you know, we're, we're going to go steady and then boom, they just end up dead. At, like they're out alone at a lover's lane, you know, uh, you know, the girl's trying to, you know, get some or the guy's trying to get some and then boom, they're both they're uh, Yeah, the girl's trying to get some. <laughs> yeah, funny. It, it's. <laughs> he was acting weird. You know, they they both end up murdered. No, no, he yeah, survived. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, yeah. That is like a a cliche kind of. He's the anytime and... there's a couple on Lovers Lane, you know, at least one of them is gonna die, in any TV show or movie. You know what's funny is that like if everything is true from the movie, that one guy knows who the Zodiac killer is. Um. And he disappeared off the face of the planet. Yep. True. True. Well. Doesn't he come back at the very end of the movie? I mean, we'll get into the movie, but I'm pretty sure that's him at the end. But yeah, we don't it know. Is. It is okay. actually him. But um, the question is, is, did that actually happen? or? Hmm. I, I think it did actually, because, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. So continuing with the actual uh, the case facts here. Uh, so several, less than seven months later, in the early morning hours of July 5th, 1969, Darlene and her who was 22 at the time, and her boyfriend, Mike, who was 19, were shot multiple times while sitting in Farron's car at the Blue Rock Springs Golf uh, Golf Club in Vallejo, California. Farron was shot, but Mike survived in the uh, with wounds to his jaws and shoulder and legs. So, weird, weird. You know, I would hate to be shot at a golf course, though. That's, like, the one place I don't want to. <laughs> it's like, really, dude? Really? Like at, at the country club. <laughs> oh yeah, is that, is that where they were on the? Like, I don't know, wait. I don't, I don't remember that, that one's one. in the movie. They mention no. it, but this is a This is like this a separate murder. Yeah. Oh okay. It's, it's, I think it's a, it's a year later. I think they mention it, but they say like, "How can we connect?" Yeah, it? they were trying yeah. to like they yeah. 
All right, so uh, less than an hour after that attack, the Zodiac phoned the police department and reported the crime. During the call, he says, I also killed those kids last year, a reference to Faraday and Jensen. So yeah, in in the movie, they don't show this murder, but uh, you do hear the phone call because it's like a year later or so. But um, all right, so continuing on, on September 27th, 1969, 22-year-old Cecilia Shepard and 20-year-old Brian Hartnell uh, were having a picnic at Lake Baressa in Napa County. They were approached by a man wearing a hood, and he bore the symbol of the two intersecting circles, or two intersecting lines in a circle. The man used a gun to threaten Shepard and Hartnell. He tied them up, then stabbed the pair. Both Shepard and Hartnell were alive when help arrived, but Shepard ended up succumbing to her wounds and Hartnell actually recovered. Another classic, like, murder from, like, anything. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like is it it's a classic or iconic? I don't know. I don't want to be too insensitive. I, I'd say too insensitive. Yeah, like, you feel, I feel like this is always repeated. Uh, this one in the car murder. Like, these two things are always just kind of, like, repeated throughout, like, media. That one was the most brutal, though. Oh, it was. That's like, so fucked. But the whole time... Which one? The, the he lake tied death. the two, the couple up, and then just like stabbed them like six times each. Oh yeah, it's it's brutal, but yeah, that's from six. Yep. All right, so on October eleventh, nineteen sixty nine, in San Francisco, Zodiac entered a cab of Paul Stein, twenty nine at the time, and he was a passenger. While in the taxi, Zodiac shot Stein in the head. Witnesses saw Stein's murder, so police were soon on the scene. The witness had described the murderer as white, around 25 to 30 years old, wearing glasses and sporting a crew cut. Police uh, assumed the killing was a robbery and spotted a man matching this description. But a dispatcher mistakenly told them that the suspect was black, so the man was allowed to leave. Oh, my God. Uh... So, I mean, they could have caught him. So, uh, after this, uh, in July of 1969, after, after that attack, the Zodiac began to contact newspapers via letters that included details only the killer would know. And in addition, he phoned the police again. And, uh, you know, after committing the murders in July and, you know, he pretty much confessed to law enforcement and this happened in September. So uh, then the Zodiac killer took responsibility for Stein's death in a letter postmarked October 13th, 1969 enclosed in a piece of the driver's bloody shirt. Which honestly was like the creepiest thing. Yeah, that was pretty weird. It's weird as hell. Uh, okay, so in the letter, uh, the San Francisco Examiner received in August 1969, he wrote, this is the Zodiac speaking, marking the first time he used the name Zodiac, which I find is extremely weird. You commit like four murders and then you come up with a name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, that opening uh, salutation would be repeated throughout the rest of his letters throughout the years. His uh, messages were also included the symbol, the same symbol that the 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 hooded man used in the lake death, which is um, they realized resembled the sight of a rifle, which I also found was very weird. So, uh, no. The thing about the Zodiac Killer, he's he's definitely a guy all about publicity. And 
I, I again I find it extremely weird, but uh he did threaten to go on a killing rampage when uh they when they they threatened back at him that they wouldn't print any of his other ciphers, but they ended up doing it anyway. And uh which again this whole situation, this whole like case is very weird to me. But uh in the letter of November 9th, 1969, he stated the police shall never catch me because I have been too clever for them. So the Zodiac sent out four coded letter messages and a married couple was able to solve the first cipher that revealed the Zodiac had written, among other things, I like killing people because it's so much fun. Zodiac claimed he shared his identity in the other coded messages, but yet throughout all these years, no one else has been able to uh, decode the cipher. Uh, I want to pause right there and say, like, how do you guys feel about that? That this man came up with a whole coding system and only a married couple, a very old married couple, was the only ones to solve one of them. That's kind of insane. Is is that the only one that got solved, too? Yeah, it was the first one that got solved. And it was the first one he sent out, and that one got solved. But the other three were never solved. To this day, they were never solved. And I think they're still around. You know, uh, when we get to the end, well, you know, the case is very much still like active in some parts of California. Sounds like that first one was just a test trial, then, and the rest of them probably weren't meant to be found out. Maybe, maybe. I'm I'm thinking like, man, (laughs) I'm thinking that it's like. The first zodiac, uh, not the first zodiac. But I'm, I'm. I, sometimes I feel like, uh, as I watched it, like it was different people. That is a theory. Yeah, I mean, I can easily see like a small little clique of weird people. <laughs> the group of nerds that are like going. Yeah, like they just like, you know, one guy got away with it. The other ones wanted to do it. Use the same type of you know, style of doing it because the kills all seem so different as far as like a shooting of a, a couple. Yeah. Then a stabbing. Yeah. Then a, a robbery looking one. Like just, a, so the first one was like gutsy. Yeah. You know, he, he pulled up on them. He looked them like right in their face, shot them in the car, went back to the car, came back, shot them some more. The second one, was it seemed like almost like a fantasy where he got to tie him up and yeah. and stab him. Then the last one was almost like he was scared. He's like, oh shit, let me just get do it. I just want to do it. Just get just get over with. Just do it. Yeah. Then uh, the one with the baby. He's like, I'm gonna throw your baby out the window. <laughs> I totally forgot. About Man, that that one was insane. That one was wild, and I feel like that was back to the first Zodiac person. I like this theory, but uh, we'll definitely get into the theories a little later. But uh, I also have some things all right. I want to like. I do have a few theories that I've written down after looking at all this and then watching the movie. But uh, so after those people solved the uh, the cipher, the Zodiac Killer went silent for th- three years. And uh, after those, uh, in one of those earlier letters, he threatened to target a bus of kids. So you know that had everybody on edge over the years. There have been 2,500 suspects that were considered, including Unabomber Ted Kaczynski. So, you know, fun fact. Uh, there's also the meme. I think it's a meme, but, you know, Ted Cruz may be the Zodiac Killer. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that shit would be wild. Yeah. That's a meme. Yeah. <laughs> that shit would be wild. So, you know, that, that started up a few years ago. So. Fucking Ted Cruz. <laughs> they won't leave him alone. Ted Cruz. Yep. But uh, so after after oh, all that madness, uh, you know, the, the case was still going on. They had a search warrant out for one suspect by the name of Arthur Lee Allen, but no definitive no definitive evidence was found, and his fingerprints didn't match the taxi driver murder. And that's kind of uh, how in real life, that, in real life, that's kind of where they drew the line with the outward pouring of the whole Zodiac case. And they just kind of kept everything like silent after that. Uh, there are some more conclusive stuff, but the ending of the movie kind of explains it, and we'll get into that later on. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to get into our movie discussion here. Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. He wants his code in the afternoon edition. Ray Smith, don't you have a cartoon to finish? The Zodiac Killer has come to San Francisco. Another letter. School children make nice targets. He gave himself a name. Greek, Morse code, astrological signs. This guy's used them all. I like killing people because man is the most dangerous animal of all. How does one do that? I like puzzles. I do them a lot. Got any hard suspects? About uh, 90 an hour. I'm up to around 500. You got four crime scenes, not a single usable print. You can't think of this case in normal police terms. He's breaking the pattern. Glenna said you were a cartoonist. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What are you doing at the gun range? I just want to help. What are you, some kind of boy scout? Eagle scout. Actually, first class. Oh, I've been thinking. Oh, God, Sam, was There's no evidence, Robert. What do you mean there's no evidence? You have him seen with the ciphers, the military boot prints, the bloody knife. All circumstantial. Why do you need to do this? Because nobody else will. Dave, you made a mistake! Get away from the window. Paul, are you okay? No. Why'd you do it? You put your face out there for him to see. Hello? Who is this? Zodiac was my job. It's not yours. He's still out there, Dave. Killing is his compulsion. It drives him. It's in his blood. Jeez. What? Squirrels. This is the Zodiac speaking. I have a gun. I can give you a lift to the service station. Do you always go around helping people in the night? I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Are you sure there's nobody else in the house? All right, so we're back, and we're going to dive into our movie discussion here. Uh, So, yeah, Zodiac, directed by David Fincher. I love saying his name, obviously. Came out in 2007, still shocks me. So, so again, uh, we open... I want to start off by saying uh, I don't know if you guys ever pay attention to like movie like studio logos or like uh, yeah like <laughs> movie logos, but I love it when they like mess with the logo to kind of hint at the tone of the movie. Like um, uh, Shelton, me and you saw uh, the recent Terminator movie, and you know yeah. the beginning of that is where they they kind of like 
make everything seem very 90s and like they glitch everything. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Oh yeah, uh, this movie starts off with them kind of like having a, an old school style Paramount logo of like the 60s and 70s. I don't know if that studio was around back then, but I think it was. I know some other studios were. But again, it was just nice to have that. Uh, it also, you know, it's also very classic David Fincher color tones where it's, it's a lot of green, a lot of yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting the movie off, though, I love the aesthetic of the 60s and 70s. Uh, you know, even as a black guy, where that wasn't a very kind time for uh, for me. For, <laughs> he yeah, went there. I, oh God, he but went. I there. love it. I I do love. <laughs> I love movies from the seventies and sixties. They're they're so much like they they're so weird and fun and whimsical, but also very dark at times, especially in the seventies. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we open with the whole neighborhood, and you know, it's the it's the Fourth of July, or you know, fireworks are popping. Uh, you know, girls got dresses on that are uh, ankle length because that's the decent uh, time. <laughs> so we have our open our opening murder here, which is the uh, you know the the lovers lane murder. Uh, man, uh, I wrote down on my notes like this is the most familiar murder because again, I feel like this one and the lake murder are the murders that get repeated a lot or alluded a lot in media. Yeah. Uh, Mostly this one, like uh, I remember in like scary movie, they parody this type of like murder with the whole teens making out in the car, and then like uh, Ghostface comes up, and just stabs him, yeah. and the the girls like at the scene reporting. Um, I think the scene gets repeated in one of the later Friday the Thirteenth movies as like a gag. Uh, it's just a fun, not necessarily you know people died, you know, sorry, but it's still kind of a fun type of thing to see in a movie. I don't know what do you guys think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's become a part of um, pop culture when it comes to horror. Yeah. So I, I, I think, yeah. Plus, I mean, plus, I feel like another thing is like the whole like murder at a at like at a lakefront lake. Like this is the thing. Like if you go out with someone, if you're on a date or whatever, maybe if you're just with friends, and you drive somewhere secluded waterfront it's only you, you're the only car out there because you're trying to go out there and, and mess around and someone pulls up and they see the scenario oh yeah i man you you are set up to get murdered <laughs> yeah. I, when yeah. this scene started my immediate thought was like drive off just yeah, drive right? off <laughs> yeah around. yeah hey what do you think you're doing mister i'm like oh god <laughs> this guy deserves to die she she said stay in the car. I was yo, like, I'm telling you, I'm, and then she didn't drive away. I'm telling you, yo, like, no yeah. offense, but that's that's like some classic white people movie shit. What I love about this scene, like, though, uh, is how the roles are reversed because um, you kind of alluded to this earlier, Javon. But normally it's the guy that's driving, and normally it's the guy trying to get into the girl's pants. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I feel like it's a scene straight mm-hmm. out of uh, Grease. But in this movie, it's the girl driving, and then it's the girl trying to have sex with the guy, but he, I guess, my guess is that he's just not ready, or he's a virgin. What well, he did say something, too, that kind of threw me off him. He was like, is that your yeah, husband? Yeah. Oh, that got yeah, me, that... too. So then I was like, okay, a so finger. it's a possibility Ooh. the Zodiac is someone's husband, but it couldn't be the husband, because it. I feel like that's an easy way to get caught. Yeah. Like, I you murder your husband, you murder your wife and your who she was messing around with. That's the easy way to track back to. Yeah. You know, as far as like, oh, you know, 
this is so-and-so, she is so-and-so's husband, and she was out with this guy. Now they're both dead. Suspect number one, the yeah, husband. Yeah. You know, I always say, you know, whenever you have like a murder involving a couple or whatever, they're always going to like the first first uh, suspect is always either the husband or the girlfriend, the boyfriend, the girlfriend. It's always always the spouse that gets arrested first. Yeah. Uh, Which which is normal because normally it's the biggest motive. But uh, and then normally it's a lot of times that's what it is, too. It's like the truth of it. Like, it's like, yeah, it was actually the so and so. Oh damn! Yeah. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> I yeah, I just love how everything's reversed here. But uh, so moving forward, we get introduced to Jake Gyllenhaal's character, Robert. Uh, I want to start off by saying I love Jake Gyllenhaal's energy in this movie, or at, at least at the beginning of this movie. It's very like hyper, like you know, I I feel like I'm familiar with Jake Gyllenhaal, but every time I see him, he's either playing, he's never playing the same character. He just looks the same. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, this one is definitely his most subtle of characters I've seen him play. Uh, you know, most recently we saw him as Mysterio and Spider-Man. You know, he was pretty uh he was pretty militant in that one, I'll say. But you know, if you go to a movie like Nightcrawler, he's he's out of his mind. But then you go, you know, you go back all the way back to Brokeback Mountain where he is playing like the the young naive like lover. So, you know, uh, I was I was listening to a podcast a while back, and they were like, "Jake Gyllenhaal is uh, one of those rare actors who's just a man baby <laughs> by nature. He just he has the face of a boy, but he tries to act like a man in ev- in almost everything he does." Mm-hmm. But what yeah. do you guys think of Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah, what do you guys, in in this movie and just in general, what are your thoughts on Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh man, you want to go, Sean? I, I think he's good. I I feel like every time it seems like no matter what role he gets. He gets very into it, and the character he's playing is very believable. And you can really kind of like get immersed in who he is playing. So I, I love seeing Jake Gyllenhaal in really anything. I I think he's I think he's okay. I don't really get like a, a massive kick out of him as a character. A lot of times, I feel like he like the whole man baby face thing is like. It is that is true. That is him. And so, no matter whether it's an evil character or a confused character, he always looks kind of helpless. Oh, that's a good. That's a good one right there. Yeah, he does. He always looks helpless. Helpless. I think that's even as Mysterio when he was like really on top of the world. He looked kind of like every time he ever looked confused about anything, he looked helpless, confused, and not just like needing an answer. At the moment, he's, it looked like he was just like throwing throwing the hell off. Like what? I the? think that's perfect, though. I don't know. I, I think that's perfect for like most of the characters he plays. Like for instance, uh, Mysterio, right? He's he fakes this calm, composed, friendly, nice person, and then when yeah. things flip, he's this insufferable person with a with anger issues and a temper, and he really doesn't care much about anyone. But yeah, no, I, I think it works. And just like in this movie, and you know, um, he's supposed to be that chipper little cartoonist, the the guy who doesn't really understand fully how the world works, and is kind of yeah. scared and feels like he's the only person that can do anything. Yeah, I, he's almost he's almost borderline autistic or somewhere on the spectrum, as they would say. Yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's what he looked like. He looked like he's like autistic. Yeah. Although, you know, out of all his characters, I think he does detect. He does a a different type of detective very well. He kind of yeah. finds a. Uh, I'll say, you know, he 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 always finds a medium between good cop and bad cop. Like he's almost the perfect cop. <laughs> but uh, I I'll say his best performance that I've seen him in. A lot of people say it's Nightcrawler. Um, but I'll say his best performance is in a movie called Prisoners, where uh, he is the detective. Uh, it's him and uh, Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard. And uh, basically, Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard both lost their daughters at the same time by the same guy. So it's it's kind of this cat and mouse with Jake Gyllenhaal as like this good cop, but he's struggling to keep it together because uh, Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard are just kind of like being vigilantes and trying to track this guy down. And it, it's a really great movie. If you haven't seen it definitely check it out it's called prisoners uh it's awesome but uh so moving on here uh as we get into the movie we see kind of jake joan hall's character's day-to-day it's interesting uh he's a cartoonist there's drawings everywhere he's got a, a little son so you know you know it kind of tells your the main character is vulnerable or has a vulnerable spot uh beside his um his uh not recognizing social norms i would i guess is what you would call it uh, an interesting shot here is that as he's going into work, we get a shot of the mail truck, and then you know later on we you know that's where the first or the first letter comes from. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's it's a very quick like little thing, but as he's walking in, the camera pans back and the mail truck passes by, and then you kind of get this intercutting between him getting to his desk and the letter getting to the lady. You know, it goes through the mail room, then it goes through the guy, and then they, you know, she picks up the mail. Um, you know, another thing, uh, we, you know, we're watching this news building. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is the cartoonist guy for the comic part. Uh, I guess what well, he's not, he's not done yet, but he's trying to turn it anyways. But uh, uh, also, there's a uh, you know, classic uh, David Fincher. There's a lot of yellows in this room. Everyone's wearing yellow, and then Jake Gyllenhaal's wearing brown, which I thought was pretty weird. Uh, same scene. I think we get introduced to Robert Downey Jr. Uh, maybe a little later, but uh, you know Robert Downey Jr. Uh, just man, this is, can you believe this is a year before Iron Man though? Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. And Iron Man is what made Robert Downey like who he is, as far as like the man. Yeah. Uh, he's he's definitely uh, this is definitely like kind of proto Tony Stark, but this is like. There's there's some subtle differences. I'll I'll I have it uh, laid out later on, but uh, so you know as we go through this movie here, we get our first letter, and uh, one thing I notice is <laughs> serial killer with symbols. How many serial killers do we know that have a certain symbol <laughs> that they kind of flaunt around? Uh, the only one I could think of was what Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hitler had one, and um... like the Zodiac and Hitler. <sighs> Thing they share is that they have symbols. Uh, no, honestly, uh, I, I wonder what. Uh, no, because uh, didn't didn't Jack the Ripper have symbols? Did he? Uh, I don't know. I don't know anything about Jack the Ripper I, other than I, he was just a dick. I thought that like nobody knew. The only thing people really knew about Jack the Ripper was his mo, which was like, you know, young women. Yeah, in alleyways. In alleyways, yeah, but. Because they would always find corpses in the alleyways. But besides that, I don't think it's funny. I, I typed in, I typed in killer symbol, and the first thing that, t- that came up was Zodiac. <laughs> yep, 
yeah. maybe I think Charles Manson had a few symbols that he would use. I know, um, you know, he kind of took the swastika and put it on his head. But uh, yeah, the serial killer with symbols. It just makes me laugh. Because <laughs> like it kind of, you know, you, you get into, you know, it makes me laugh because I've been watching a lot of Hannibal. BTK, what's the BTK? Oh, tor- uh, what bind, torture, kill? That's yeah, that Dennis Rader. That is a that's a that's a dark dude right there. Does he have a symbol? Other than yeah, he had a symbol. I haven't, I haven't looked into him in a while. He was in, uh, you know, David Fincher had a show on Netflix called Mindhunter. If you, I totally recommend it. But so the whole plot of that show is that it's a it's about how the FBI developed their behavioral science unit and how they started profiling serial killers when serial killers started popping up and like there's like this uh in every episode in season one and two there's a like a back plot that's happening in the background of uh and you know throughout season one you're trying to figure out who this guy is and why they keep flashing to him at the end of every episode and then by the end of it uh just you know you realize oh it's, it's btk it's dennis Rader, and then throughout season two um, you see him just kind of like slowly losing his like building up to these like infamous like building up to his like most infamous infamous murders. What would like before he would really put himself out there? But like uh, so like season one, you just kind of see his mind just like descending down, and then season two, you start getting into like his methods. But I don't think he I don't think he ends up killing anyone. Or maybe it's in the very last episode. Um, spoiler alert, but not not really spoiler alert. Uh, again, like Mindhunter, much like Zodiac, is a very dense show. So you would have to watch it in order to like really understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, just a heads up: there's only two people. Two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, BTK. Well, you're not. And yeah, you're like <laughs> basically the the main antagonist of the show. If it kept going, it would have been BTK. But each episode, they're you know they're doing a different serial killer. Uh, season two, like season one, was just. Never mind. Here we go. You got number ten BTK, number nine Beer Man, <laughs> number eight Texas Eyeball Killer. I haven't. I have... The boss. Oh, the Boston Strangler. Zodiac. A wow. uh, Beltway Sniper. The Smiley Face Killer. I that too. The Happy Face Killer. That. Night Stalker. Oh, Ramirez. He was a Satanist. Yep. And number one, Jack the Ripper. Who the? No one cares about Jack the Ripper. Uh, I I say that now. <laughs> uh, he's not cool, but he's an interesting serial killer. He's interesting, I guess. But uh, yeah. But uh, so getting back into the movie here. Uh, my as we're getting into the letters and everything, my first thought is that the Zodiac Killer could be a police officer or like an ex-police officer because of just how detailed he is and how he would know and his precision and everything. But what do you guys think? I think that would make sense. I think that the... uh, Nah, I don't think I was a cop. I think that he may have been somebody that... um, I, I... I think it was more than I think it was a group of people, maybe not like five. I think it was like three people. Three, hmm. interesting. Maybe some people leading back to the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Three people who agree with that that one movie. Oh, 
and decided to all use the same alias of the Zodiac Killer um, to do their killings, but would only kill using that that Zodiac Killer alias, which makes it almost impossible to, to like hunt. How, how do you hunt? What you who you think is one person, but it's really three. That's why I think I think it's multiple people, and they were never going to catch any of them because when they thought they were trying to catch one, like based off of mannerisms and like how he was and what he did and how he wrote stuff, it was another person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I know it's in other times of life, in other killers, there has been like where it's multiple killers. And so they'll be hunting one of the two killers the whole yeah. time. And the other one has done the, mo- done most well, of the killing the thing. Like, you know, if I'm reflecting back on the whole true crime thing I did, uh, you know, this is our true crime July series. But like, you know, if you study the pattern of serial killers, there there are many types. And but like, uh, normally, you you know, your first kill is almost like an accident or just a fantasy fulfillment. And then there's a down period where they don't do anything at all. We discussed this with Jeffrey Dahmer. But then like they would and yeah. eventually they would lose their mind enough to go back. And then those second and third murders, you end up getting a very solid MO. So, you know, but there, I rarely, there are killers out there that operated in like groups of threes, but they rarely operated. Like, I don't think there's any other, anybody that really operated as like a serial, as one singular serial killer. Like, usually if you have a pair, it, it can go like many different ways. I know, um, the way that fascinates me the most is when you have like one is the the whole like uh madness of two where you have and you see this a lot in slasher movies and horror movies when you have two people and one of them is like nuts and they kind of like either manipulate or they convince another person who is kind of susceptible to them or their personality is susceptible to them and they both kind of blend together mm-hmm. You get you get you kind of you kind of get that uh you know your I think the most famous example would be what Bonnie and Clyde, um, yeah. and even that one was like a threesome at some point. There was a third person that no one ever talks about, but uh yeah, and then you know that that's kind of the template of it all. Leopold and Loeb is definitely another template where you have two people who are they were you know more usually it's a romantic involvement. But if, if you're going with Javon, if we're going with Javon's theory of that there's three people, you know, or just multiple people in general, it's it's weird to me, like, and fascinating that they would all agree and, you know, like, would strategize. Like, if there's, if there's multiple people, we're not working with just a crazy group of people here. They're very intelligent and very strategized and... They would have had that plan this out for like months. Kind of, you know, if you think about it, it would kind of be like a either that or either that or one or two of them were very sophisticated, and the other one was like a lackey, batshit crazy, like but would do anything. I guess, like I, I like throw a baby out a window. <laughs> that's so fascinating, though. Yeah, like yeah. you know, what I'm saying like it would only take just just a, like everybody has. A a hype man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we all have had friends who are like the hype man of, of of the friends. So if you had one that really wanted to start murdering, 
another one that agreed but wasn't sure how to go about it or was kind of yeah. scared. And then one that was just down for anything. Like, fuck it. Yeah, we mer- – oh, fuck. Cool. Yeah. I've always wanted to try that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know – You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they could pull it off and they coordinate together and the one who just is down for anything just does what they're told because they don't really want to be bothered with the smart shit. They just yeah. want to – And that's kind of how – They just want to the mentality people. of, like – you know, I think that's that was the mentality with like Columbine. Like that's how that came about with those group of those group of boys. Uh, you know, two of them were very smart and very jilted, and the other one was kind of like, "Yeah, I've been bullied too. Let's do it." <laughs> but you know, that third person is always. Mm-hmm. I, you also find out a lot in like robberies. If you look at like famous robberies, it's usually like two intelligent guys, and the rest of the people are just kind of down for the cash or just down for the thrill. And they they often yeah. are the weakest ones, but uh. So I find it interesting that that's your theory there. Uh, I have multiple theories. I, I am definitely on board with yours, though. But, uh, yeah. So we're getting back to the movie here. Uh, like I said, um, so RDJ kind of steals every scene he's in. But uh, one little thing that made me laugh is that uh, at the end of his like introductory introductory scene, and after we get the first letter, uh, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal is kind of ignored. And then Robert Downey is like, um, all right, guys, good day. Good work today. Let's go on down to Morty's. You know, <laughs> it just made me laugh because, you know, Morty. <laughs> Morty, yeah. Oh, uh, man. So uh, what also made me laugh is that uh, um, they didn't know who Jake Gyllenhaal's character's name was. Like when he met Robert Downey, he was like, and you are? He was like, I've been here for nine months. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. He's been sitting next to this guy for nine yeah, he's months. Like- Nine months of sitting beside you, and yeah. you don't know also, yeah. but then, but then you see, then you see later on in the movie that when uh, the other guy quits and another person takes his spot, he introduces yep. himself off rip. So he must have introduced himself <laughs> in the very beginning to yeah. Robert Downey and then sat by him every <laughs> yeah. day. That's why he's confused. Like, I've been here nine months, uh, long time ago. <laughs> man, what also made me, what also kind of made me mad, but like also made me laugh is that he's wearing an ascot. <laughs> Robert Downey is wearing an ascot. He's like he's wearing the scarf throughout all of his scenes, and I'm like, why, why? Like, I mean, I get that was the style, but like, yeah. I only think of Scooby Doo. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. All right, so it trips me out that he like that... lost his job, started living on a boat. I said it trips me out he lost his job, started living on a boat. You know, pretty much in, ended up in a, on a ventilator at the end. I'm like, damn, my dude. All right, so let's talk about the lake death here with these the the nice couple on the picnic and just boom murdered. Uh, how we feel about this scene, guys? I mean, it was it was it it was brutal, but it wasn't. It was like very calm and planned and patient. Walked up with a gun, tied him up. You know what I'm saying? And they, I guess, thought they were gonna get shot, but instead they got stabbed. But really? he was he playing. But he playing. He, he wanted to kill them though. Like I mean, he really didn't oh, yeah. care about the wallet, the keys, and nothing. But as far as like you know, it wasn't shot brutally. You know what I mean? Like it I looked guess. like a. Yeah, you know, it was not as much blood as I would have anticipated. You know, as far as like, you can see a stabbing, and yeah. it looked horrific. 
Yeah. You know I mean, like, and then that stab and just kind of like, like, chink, 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 chink. Okay, cool. You're done. Chink, 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 chink. Okay, you're done. And okay, moving on. You know. Yeah. So, man, man I I wrote down is probably the most brutal death of the movie. <laughs> it is. I I thought it was brutal. Like, man. I think it's less visual and more uh, audio. Audio. Yeah, the audio is pretty pretty graphic. Like, like just, I would. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because that haunt that haunted me a little bit. It's as yeah. I watched then, it, I was like, oh wow. And the lady like screaming, like the guy's like, Ugh! and then the woman's screaming, and he grabs her, and she starts screaming more and more. It's like, oh man, dude, Holy man, what shit? What gets me is when he's like, they're all tied up, and he's like, everything's gonna be okay, and then immediately after that, he just gets stabbed. I'm like, oh, everything's not gonna be okay, bro. Right? Yeah. Everything oh, ended up being okay for him, though. <laughs> for well, him. Like, for him, yeah. He did. He did yeah. end up losing his girlfriend, but I mean, hey. Um. <laughs> so a big a big plot point in this movie is another movie in uh called the most dangerous game. I love that movie. Okay, so you've seen this movie? Yeah, of course. It's old. Oh, it's man. Really okay, old. so I I'm assuming Sheldon, you haven't seen this movie. I actually have. Oh my god, bro. Okay, I so I have not seen game. this movie. Dude, <laughs> I have so actually great. Have to watch it. I have to find it, but I I've read the book and I I I re like I read it way back when and then I re-downloaded it on my on my uh audiobooks and I've listened to it again. I love this story. I love the book story. I just never seen the movie, but you know, yeah, the most dangerous game. It's pretty it's pretty clever. Uh, I I did like that. That was a a big clue and a big plot point for this, especially because um you know. Kind of getting into my theory, I, you know, out of all my theories, I do think it was probably the, if it's not, I do think it was the the movie theater guy. If not, I think he was involved. But at the least, I do, my, my suspicions leans less towards Lee Allen and more towards the, the movie theater dude, despite, you know, they obviously try to give it, they, they, they steered away after the whole like handwriting thing. And I was like, mm, maybe not. But that's just me. But I do, I do like how the, the most dangerous game is like a big plot point here. Um, also, it, it, I think it was on the radio, but or maybe the TV. But there's a whole thing about um, you know the zodiac. They're talking about the zodiac, and you know they're talking about like is the zodiac a satanist? And I'm like, uh, so this is like dead seventies. Charles Manson's probably happening around this time, maybe. Uh, this seems a little maybe it's like before the Manson murders, but uh, I think it may be like around the same time, or maybe after. I didn't look it up, but you know, around that time, satanic panic was happening. Or, um, and then we get into the taxi murder. Uh, so we'll be thinking about this taxi murder, guys. The taxi murder was was that's what I'm saying. That's why I think it's multiple people because it was weak. Really. I mean, he just shot him. I mean, people do that all the time as far as like they're like non serial killers. Yeah. You know, you know, either give me the money and maybe maybe they back talk just a little bit. Bam, they shot. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe they just shoot them because they just want to rob them. Like, so as far as robbery, like that happens all the time where sometimes cowards just shoot you yeah. rather than even asking you for the money. What about you, Shelton? Um, I think. Javon is right, but at the same time, there's like, there's a hint of like just cold, 
callousness to it. Yeah. Because there is no, there is no give me this. There is no anything. It's like he gets in the car. It's like where you need to go. Boom. Instantly. He you know? he didn't do that. He got in the car. He drove. Um, he drove for, for I think a like bit, and he said seven minutes or something like that. Stop right here. And then the dude stopped and he just fucking blew his brains out. Yeah. Like there was there was no anything. It was just okay. We're gonna drive. I'm have him drive for a little bit. And then boom, I'm taking him out, and that was it. Yeah, like that's the. I think that's the probably the most scariest thing about the Zodiac Killer is that he has no real motive. And you know, you kind of hear that tossed around a lot these days. Like, there's no real motive, but usually there, there, there is. But you know, like even Ted Bundy had a motive, but the Zodiac, because we don't know who it is, and because we haven't profiled him, there is no real motive to any of these killings, and they are so different. So. Just an interesting thing here. But, uh, you know, this is also, after this scene, we also get introduced to Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, and I love his introductory scene because he's laying in bed and then phone call and then, like, answers the phone and then Hulk break lamp. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, like, he's like, let me, let me describe to you what type of lamp you're going to buy me. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, fun fact, though, Mark Ruffalo's character in real life, his real-life counterpart was the inspiration for the uh the character Clint Eastwood plays in Dirty Harry, which is also featured later on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they went to watch it. Yeah, so you know, there's life imitating art and art imitating life. There's that you know Ouroboros right there. Mark Ruffalo used... was really good in this one too. Yeah, like out of everyone, out of all the famous people that I recognize in this movie, Mark Ruffalo was the one I liked the most. So I was you know earlier I said like you know it feels like Jake Gyllenhaal just kind of disappears like yeah in the middle of this movie but i much rather would have been i would i would have liked having mark ruffalo throughout this entire movie but i understand because his you know in real life the guy doesn't get involved until the taxi murder because that's in his town mm-hmm. because uh, the murders take place in like four different counties but yeah i really liked mark ruffalo in this movie he was really fun like I uh expect yeah. um his acting from like you know we know him as the the, the guy Hulk. that plays the Hulk, yeah, yeah. He doesn't really get too much to do. He's just kind of, you know. I mean, he gets a time... lot to do, but Shelton, it's always cut out. <laughs> like, well, we never get to see what he gets to do. Yeah, like, Age of Ultron. Very... Yeah, he had a whole subplot in Age of Ultron and and Infinity War, and snip, they cut him out. Yeah, but, uh... would not have been if you didn't tell me just now. Yeah, come on, Shelton. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's a fun little joke. Yeah, he's right. We never get to see. I, you know, Mark Ruffalo, he was, I, I, before he was the Hulk, I knew him as like one of those generic drama guys. You know, when I was, uh, you know, in middle school, I remember seeing him a lot in movies, but he was usually playing like the, you know, oh, I'm the divorced dad or I'm the, uh, I'm the guy seeing your mom in this, in this movie here. Uh, usually like Tilda Swinton or someone else like, uh, you know, he, he did a lot of, like, upbeat dramas. But, uh, so, you know, over the years, he's definitely gotten more towards, like, darker stuff. Um, I also go back to his performance in Shutter Island with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. He's really good in that. But mm-hmm. I, I was really surprised at how much I liked Mark Ruffalo in this movie. So, uh, you know, after that, we get the, uh, the, the stain, the blood-stained shirt. It's mailed to... Uh, um rdj's character paul and you know that kind of kicks off the uh 
almost kicks off the second half of this movie, and Robert Downey Jr. is just playing paranoid throughout the rest of it. Yeah, he feels like um, I feel like a lot. I feel like he lost his mind because he just I he wanted to figure it out so bad because he yeah. I think he felt like he was just like the best um uh like news person as far as like the best um God the word is escaping me columnist like you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, like, he, he's, a, he's a reporter so he's like greedy the best reporter there we go the best reporter yeah mm-hmm. like he felt like he was just the best reporter in the world and you know it's the truth always comes out yeah, and he's a, he's a you know, the, the police will figure it out and i'll have the dope a dope story about it and every story that i cover i come up with a a a conclusion to and then when he realized like he can't wow there's not like there's not gonna be oh and then zodiac started messing with him yeah, which yeah. is and, call, just and calling funny. him. But I do like I do like his line later on where he's like, "Dave, I, I want a gun." <laughs> then it cut. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, they're at the gun range. Oh man, yeah. Another interesting thing about Mark Ruffalo's character though, <laughs> he wears bow ties. I don't know if any of you guys noticed, but throughout every yeah, like it. costume change he has, he's wearing a bow tie, and he's eating like yeah. he wants. He asked for animal crackers, which is just hilarious. I love animal crackers. <laughs> fun fact you were saying about Robert Downey Jr.'s character kind of like paralleling that is that Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal's character loves puzzles loves solving puzzles so you know it's a uh, you know just details uh, you know David Fincher is a very detailed director so I feel like he's really he's, he's I love the fact that he he's a he's directing a movie about a very detailed serial killer when he has the reputation of being a very detailed director. Yeah, I think it complements very well. So uh, here's a question. Uh, you know, going back into our theories here, mentally ill or just attention-seeking? Uh, I think attention-seeking. Yeah, me too. I kind of go back and forth. Because if you look at the method of each of the kills, I would say, you know, obviously mentally ill, but to an, a very extreme but again, yeah, mailing the letters or whatever, it, it's very attention-seeking. We're just like, how did anyone give this guy any attention, just how annoying he is? Like, I would hate to work at a place where you just get a letter from a serial killer threatening to kill somebody, and then no one ever actually ends up dead. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like it's like one of those things where he he killed, and then he realized, like... Oh snap! You know, like okay, I, I'm on the news. I'm talking to this. Didn't he talk to like not the, not a celebrity, but he, yeah, he talked to a celebrity, didn't he? Yeah, it was a, yeah, uh, like a talk show host. Yeah, and which is played by Brian Cox. I didn't catch his real name, but uh, Brian Cox. Yeah, he literally got exactly. He got like so he killed somebody, and it's, I guess like same thing like in life, like if you do something and no one ever knows that you do it. It you kind of begin to ask yourself, did like what does it matter? Like yeah. what does it matter? So he he had to be a thing eventually where he was like, yeah, you know, I kill I killed these people, but no one knows, so who cares? Yeah, I see that. So then eventually he was like, you know what, I I'm gonna send in letters. I'm gonna do all this stuff because people need to know yeah. who I am. And and they'll they'll because I think in one of the letters he said when are you gonna guys gonna write a book about me or should do a movie about me? Yeah. Eventually it was like one of those things where it's like okay, 
like I want the attention. Can I get the attention, please? <laughs> Give me attention. And if not, I'll, I'll kill someone else, and then you'll pay more attention to me. You know what I'm saying? But at the yeah. same time, you know, it it just became one of those things where maybe he wanted to kill people at first, and he did. Then he felt famous. Yeah. Uh, you know, typical with serial killers, you know, if you study them, you know, when usually uh, during like after their like spree, if they're spree killers or like just after their most brutal murders, they'll start to just make, they'll start purposely making mistakes and to get caught. And usually it's for two reasons. One, because they want to be known or two, they just want to like, you know, they want someone to help them end this like pain and like cycle that they're in. Um, you know, for, again, if we go to like, we seem to use Ted Bundy a lot for his examples for these podcasts, but uh, Ted Bundy definitely, uh, I don't think he really made mistakes, but when they caught up to him, he realized, you know, I can just be famous and I'll be fine with that. So he, he really milked whatever like fame he had. So I feel like the Zodiac is very similar in that way where he's just really looking for his uh, 15 minutes. And, yeah. Like, he ended up making it like what, six years. <laughs> Yeah, and then it it had to have come a point where he realized like they're not gonna catch me. Yeah. I mean, he 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 realized that early on, but um, yeah. moving forward, even more, um, we get to the we get to the mm-hmm. whole uh, lady and the in the in the the hitchhiking not hitchhiking but like the truck guy, you know, the lady in the car with the baby, yeah. which is the most like we said the lake death was the most brutal, but this got to be the most like intense scene. That was the most intense one to me. Like that was the so, one that I was like, "Holy shit! This this dude's about to throw a baby out a window." Yeah. Luckily she <laughs> like. Luckily she yeah. jumped out. Honestly. Yeah, she jumped and rolled out, which is genius. That's exactly what she needed to do to save her and her baby. Yeah, and then she hid the baby, which was pretty smart. But like, man. Yeah, I was um, worried. Like yeah. When 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 you see her on the side of the road, I was like, "Oh damn, he threw the kid out!" No. no. <laughs> at first, well, at first I thought he took the kid. Yeah. Oh, like she just kind of ran. Well, no. At first, like like he, you know, went to try to kill her, you know, and oh, then she like, got like away, but didn't get. The, yeah, yeah, left her on the side of the road, but took the baby. Yeah. I was gonna be like, "Dude, <laughs> this man." Yeah, took- the scene left a lot, like a lot of opening for assumption. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I it mean, was intense. It felt like it was from a different movie, honestly. But yeah, uh, I don't even. Think it, it was. Really it was anywhere. tough. It was. It was very, very intense. Was, so, yeah. uh, flashing forward a bit here, we're kind of just skipping around. Or I'm just kind of skipping around here. But like, I want to make sure I get main, made the main parts of this movie. Uh, you know, again, it's a very detailed movie. Uh, you know, we'll get to recommends later, but uh, yeah, so we get to our queen of indie movies here. You know, Jackson Hall goes on a date, and we get our our female, you know, out of you no, know, I feel like our first female that's kind of central to the plot because <laughs> the rest of this movie is just kind of a sausage fest. Yeah, that isn't a victim, <laughs> yeah, because, holy crap. man. My thing is, like, she says this is the most interesting date, and my reply was like, or this is just your only date because you see, yeah, like, she, she didn't seem too interested. He, like, he was distracted, she was just kind of weirded out and distracted. She slept on his couch, and you know, they ended up just she staying had nothing together. else to do <laughs> for her life. She just was like, this dude is just yeah, weird. Got a career. I'm gonna <laughs> hang out with him, yeah. <laughs> 
you really thought the date like he lost his chance yeah the date whenever she was like is this just a scheme to get in bed with me and it was like oh okay she both this is all we're gonna see of her and then she yeah this is the end of her like oh never mind okay yeah she ends up marrying him having another kid by him like oh they really go there Uh, but they went uh, there there all the way another thing is that i noticed is that um uh like i mentioned earlier uh you know david fincher he also directed gone girl which i think is my favorite out of all his movies that i've seen but uh throughout that movie uh again she has like a nice color palette it's a lot of yellows but usually the main character wears blue I don't remember if this is true for Fight Club. I think he's wearing like white most of the time and there's a lot of green. But uh, I noticed in this one that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is after he meets the girl and he's like more the more he gets in inserted into the, the case, he's wearing blue. And, uh, you know, much like Ben Affleck does in uh, Gone Girl, when the case gets deeper and deeper for him, like it's a lot of blue shirts, a lot of like blue accents to his outfits. So it's just a fun little detail there. But yeah, uh, I think another underlining thing of this movie that we have here, especially in the middle, is uh, the media versus the law. Because where, you know, Mark Ruffalo starts working with the, with the, uh, the uh, you know, people getting the newspaper that are getting the letters and they're trying to figure stuff out. But, you know, the newspaper wants to be the first one to get the, the news out there. You know, um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character does a lot of... Uh, I don't want to say unethical things, but he's definitely, you know, he starts leaking information. He starts going after a lot sources. of double crossing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we get a, a riff between him and Mark Ruffalo's character, which I enjoy. Honestly, uh, you could take that and make it a movie and I would be set. Um, but we don't get a lot of it in this movie. It's very like, you know, in the middle and then it's kind of there and then it's kind of gone. But I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think with them, it was like, what he wanted to do like as far as like like i said i think that he wanted to become he wanted to figure the case out before detectives i think it became like a a competition yeah Um, like i I bet you like i bet you i could figure it out before you and do better at your job yeah like and and it's awesome honestly I, i like it a lot uh, so shortly after we get introduced to Arthur Lee Allen, who becomes like the main suspect, and you know John Carroll Lynch, uh, AHS royalty. Uh, I think this is the only movie I've ever seen him in, other than American Horror Story. This is like the only thing I've ever seen him in. Uh, so you know, I don't know about you guys, but uh, this guy is a really good actor, really good character actor, as what they would call him. Is that the guy with the basement? Right? No, this is the this is the main dude, uh, the guy with the watch and the boots. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> his his house has squirrels with ca- in squirrels in cages. I thought that was weird. Well, squirrels in cages, squirrels in the fridge, dead. Yeah, like yeah, and like uh, rats just guns, around. rifles, rats running around. Yeah, like yeah. There's just uh, he he becomes marked. He's definitely like the number one suspect, but they can't get any definitive evidence on him. I mean, is it wrong to arrest people just for being? Creepy like as hell. weird. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, he was creepy as hell, and you know, mis- I mean, no, uh, to me, I feel like one of them signs, man, one of them signs of a serial killer is someone who abuses animals. Well, yeah, that's like the first <laughs> sign, but usually that's early on, like that's like teenagers, like teenage yeah, and adolescent. Who knows? Who knows how long he had been doing it? Yeah, there's definitely a history that they get into. I didn't pay 
well, I paid attention, but I didn't like write it down. But like again, if you want to watch the movie, totally watch it. It's very detailed. He does have a history. Um, you can look him up on the internet. He's all his stuff is out there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> um, moving forward again here. Uh, you know, I, we talked about uh. Jake Gyllenhaal's character's uh, girl, or girl. She she becomes his wife. They have kids. She's becoming real annoyed by all this uh, Zodiac stuff. And you know, I like how he has like his little junior detective agency, and how he kind of gets the kids in there helping them solve it. Uh, oh, that was oh, I, I thought that, that was, was so perfect. bad. Really, it was horrible. Uh, yeah. I thought it was cute. You know, he's it's just the kids going to the book, like, yeah. So you know, he uh, at some point he killed somebody at this year in this way. It's like, stop, they're kids. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, yeah. The, the kids game. are like, let's cro-. the kids are like, let's cross reference the the murder from this place with this place. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Again, give me a movie of those. Give me a movie. Crazy. You know, let the kids solve the Zodiac murders. Give me a movie of that. I'd watch it. Uh, I love. I thought it was really cute. I liked it. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, yeah, I like how they I like how they were young. Was, they were yeah. like if they were if they were like teenagers, okay. But those were like little kids. Yeah, they were like what six, five, maybe. Like maybe no, they were older 12. than that. They were like twelve. Yeah, twelve. Yeah. They didn't look twelve. I, to the me. oldest is about twelve. The the other ones are younger. Oh yeah, the, the little yeah. girl because the little girl was just there. She, yeah. she had no idea. <laughs> I'm in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, she wasn't uh, really helping with nothing. I liked it. Uh, you know, it's, it's at this point where his character has uh, decided to write the book. So I feel like that's what a lot of the research is. But he does end up going deep into it. Um, He's officially lost his mind at this point. Yeah, I loved how you could see, like, it turned into, I just want to help. And then from there, it went to, I have to do this to protect my son. Because he threatened the uh, the school children and stuff. And then it just... Yeah from their nose dived into an obsession and the way Jake Gyllenhaal portrays that and then the way the directing and the script does too is just amazing. Well, another thing is like also um, what's the name's character? Um, Robert Downey's character kind of throws it in his face like, yeah, like he's like, you're just going to like, you know, what do you do? You're just going (laughs) to stand over my shoulder. You don't, you're not going to help. You're You're not going to do anything. Oh man, uh, yeah. So before we get into like the very like concluding this or whatever, uh, I uh, I did like where he goes back and finds Paul. You know, he's like drinking and he's at his house or whatever. And here's the thing that like again, this is a year before Iron Man, before he officially becomes Tony Stark. But Robert Downey Jr. is a really good talent, and he's the way his acting style is. You know, I I like looking at his style. I loved Robert Downey Jr. in it, though. It felt like he was really just playing himself, honestly. It, yeah, it he so felt relaxed. He felt more relaxed than he usually yeah. is as Iron Man. I feel like he's really high tense, like really tense. Which it goes with a lot of what people say, because you know he had that whole thing with like um, drug abuse and alcohol addiction. Oh yeah, his his. And, his. Yeah, and uh, Iron Man kind of like was his big push to level out. Yeah, and um, I think, but a lot of people said he was just kind of acting himself in a lot of the movies he was in before Iron Man, and you can tell, like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I thought that was awesome. He has a really good way of uh, making sarcastic and uh, pessimism really dramatic and empathetic. 
Like you feel for him even when he's like deflecting. Uh, you know, it, you know, it looks and sounds like Tony Stark, but you know, because he's 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 very like he, to me, he's doing the opposite. Uh, you know, Tony Stark is very brutally honest and impulsive, but you know, his character here is very like deflective and he's hiding. Which I thought was pretty weird, but he he makes it kind of sound the same, but it's not. He's definitely more relaxed than this, as uh, me and Shelton were talking about. But yeah, yeah. Well, he was drunk or high the whole time. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> was he actually? No, 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 not no, not, not literally, oh, okay. but the character was the character drunk or high was, the whole. Yeah. Time. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Literally the entire movie. Yeah, so, yeah, he was for sure. So, as we're getting to the end of this, we're gonna you know we're gonna get into our little theories here. Me and Javon have kind of spilled uh you know gave our theories here but like so the movie leaves us with pretty much saying that you know it was pretty much uh arthur lee allen that is most likely the zodiac killer um Mm -hmm. but before they were able to confirm it he has a heart attack and dies and they were never able to do it um he is wait so that so the prime suspect died yeah, because yeah, um, um, the only nah. reason they couldn't nail him in the first place was because the fingerprints didn't match. That was in the yeah. the handwriting test. Yeah. But the thing is that um, because of all the other evidence that pointed towards it, they were going to just go around that because just because those things didn't fit, ev- literally everything, everything else, else fit. So they yeah. were going to try to nail yeah. him anyway, and they couldn't because he died. <laughs> yeah, he, had, he ended up having a heart attack just before they were able to like book him. Yeah. So, so you know, he got away with it. Yeah, Pretty and bad. the case, you know, the case is still is going on in some parts of California. I I saw, but uh, he is still the prime suspect, even though he's dead. So you know, if the Zodiac killer is technically Arthur Lee Allen, but like I said earlier, I kind of think it it probably was the uh the movie theater dude, and that they just missed him. But um, other than that. Uh, I kind of do think, roll. Well, don't, what, do you feel like it may have been? That's what I'm saying. I feel like it's more than one person. Yeah, like, I, I do kind of roll with your whole more than one person yeah. idea. The only question is that if it's more than one person, are they working together or is it just people seeing these murders and just calling in and being like, yeah, I did it or just taking credit for it? Like, is it different people taking credit or is it really different people doing it? Or, I, I mean, it could be the. I think it may be the. Because remember, the two people in the movie theater worked together. Yeah. But um, and shared a real passion for that movie. Yeah. And it, even if they didn't work together, but they took the same premise and went out and killed similarly, it would seem like there's more. It would. Well, it would be more than one person. But go ahead, Sheldon. I Sorry. think that um, it could have been more than one person, but not in the way you think. Because like with the movie theater guy, his um his handwriting fits because you know whoever wrote the posters was li- likely the one writing the ciphers so it could have been that he was writing the ciphers while um lee allen was just a- actually murdering people oh that so way, you think it's like test doesn't pop up oh yeah it's two different things yeah which i i i like as well um i don't okay I must say that if it's two different pe- if it's different people, I would go. I would lean more towards Shelton's definitively. Mm-hmm. One, this is it, it sounds cooler, but uh, yeah, it does. if it is more than one person, I kind of like the theory that it's a guy with multiple personality disorder, and that these different personalities have just like they're all have the same goal, or maybe it's just one personality, 
but you know there's others that keep getting in the way uh that's what you know i read one psychologist had that belief but uh other than that ah man i don't arthur lee allen sounds pretty tight so you know i think that's their main i i at the end of the at the end of the movie and at the end of all this like stuff i read i lean towards the movie theater dude and if he's working i don't think he's working with lee allen but it could be him just taking credit while lee allen actually killed people but then again they could have been working together you know it's just kind of a thing or he inspired them yeah yeah like and like that's what i'm saying like pushed him on to to do the killings and he would come back and tell him all about the killings. You know, you remember he said that he left movies with the movie theater guy? Yeah. 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 So, so what happens if the movies weren't actual movies, but they were like talking about just similar to how, you know, people share ideas about what they would want to film, film or what they would want to shoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By t- speaking about it. Like, oh yeah, I would have a scene with this, this and this. And those are the quote unquote movies like he was like oh yeah so i went out and i killed this guy and let me let me i'm gonna tell you all about it like and he would say it in the most cinematic way and those were the quote-unquote movies he would leave with him yeah it's kind of like a and then it's kind of how some people do it uh it's it's in one that that type of motive is in one of the screen movies i can't remember which one though i think maybe three but yeah i know what you're talking about all right so you know obvious final questions here uh is the zodiac killer still out there is he dead He's dead. I think he's dead by now. Cause he was, Even if there's multiple people, either they're yeah. they they're probably dead by now. Maybe. Just because yeah. it was a it was a middle aged guy around that time. It's been a long time since then. People didn't really take care of their health very well then like during that time either. So Yeah, there's there's smoking on an airplane in this movie that really like threw me. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, What? You yeah. didn't even take bottles of water. The lady with the baby, the lady with the baby lit up a cigarette. Yeah, yeah like, like over the baby's head. Yeah, man, the baby didn't yeah, even have a car seat. And then, you know that's how I've been around little kids for a while. <laughs> I was like, "There's no car seat." You just had it laying there. How, how stupid can you be to like somebody? Go, oh, your tire looks loose. Your car's driving perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like car's driving immaculate. Yeah. She didn't have any issues, and then she, he touches it, and then the first thing you like, you hear a noise. Yeah, because yeah, like. Come on, man. No, no woman. And I then he know comes back. Would would be like, oh, you think something's wrong with my car? All right, you fix it. Like, no. Be like, okay, I'm gonna take it to someone I trust to fix it. Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and fix it. Uh, it's different if it's already blown out or something, but if it's perfectly fine, there's no way. True. True. Yeah. Um, another thing about this, you know, as this movie's ending, uh, Robert ends up, you know, publishing his book and. We see a shot of it in an airport. <laughs> it made me giggle because, like, that's kind of how these things go. Whenever like a true crime thing happens and it gets turned into a book, it's it's usually in the airport. Uh, same thing happened with uh, Psycho, where uh, after Ed Gein's uh, murders happened, Robert Blanc uh, wrote, the, you know, his adapt, you know, inspired his his story and wrote it, got it published, and it be, you know, it was popular in airplanes and. That's how Alfred Hitchcock uh, found the book was that he was on a flight. He was waiting in an airport. He looked over. The book Psycho was there. He thought the, the title was good. Read the book while on the airplane. As soon as he got off the airplane, I'm making this movie. And he went to the studio and gave them the book. <laughs> so I love that story. Mm. So like, yeah, it was just funny to me how like the final one of the final shots of this movie is like, yep, airport. <laughs> Where all books go to die. <laughs> or get turned into <laughs> movies, apparently. But uh, <laughs> we're all going to die 
that's hilarious. Um, so yeah, uh, real quickly, uh, do you recommend Zodiac? Oh, definitely. I I definitely suggest it. Just if you want to sit down and watch something that's like very, it's very captivating. The cinematics are captivating. The the storyline it keeps you going. And if you're not really sure about, if you've never really paid attention to the Zodiac Killer, you don't know a lot about it. It feels like a like just a generic, not a generic movie, but it feels like a fictional movie. You know what I mean? Like it feels like a fictional movie, and then it makes you learn more about Zodiac Killer, and then you see. You know what I mean? Like it, it brings you in. Yeah. It makes you feel like there's a, a happy ending that can happen or you eventually find out then you know, you realize that there is no ending. Yeah. Or a happy ending that is. And it makes you do a little bit more research after the movie. But it leaves you with something. It leaves you with like the want to, you know, learn more about it. Yeah, I got it. All right. What about you, Shelton? Um, yeah, I, I definitely would. Just cause um it's a good thriller for sure. If you don't know anything about the Zodiac Killer and the history and all that, then it's something you can go into as a fictional movie mm-hmm. in a way and still be interested. And if you do know about it, it's even better because it gives you a visual for everything that's happened that you already kind of know about. The cinematography is just amazing regardless. It's a pretty good movie. I'm going to say that I... As far as recommending it, I'm going to say it's a very low, weak recommend for me. I recommend it to specific people. I like David Fincher. Like I said earlier, uh, you know, his movies are very captivating. I like studying them. But for me, of the ones that I've seen, this one is probably the weakest entertainment-wise because it does just kind of slow down in the middle. Um, Really after, uh, you know, it's kind of after you leave uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. But, you know, you do get this in- interesting journey with uh, Mark Ruffalo. For me, it, like, it, switch- it's- it feels like two different movies um, kind of like, you know, put mixed in together because you do leave one perspective, it goes to the next, and then you go back to the other perspective. But uh, other than that, I did like it. I, I did like this movie. Uh, I-, I recommend it. Like um, I recommend it to, if you're interested in the case, if you're interested in true crime at all, if you're interested in uh David Fincher, totally check it out. But if you're not, uh, check out his other movies. I don't think this one is a very, I don't think this one is uh necessary. I'll say, but uh, you know, that's just me. Uh, yeah. So thank you guys for joining me tonight. Thank you for having us. No problem, bro. Thank you. Thanks for having this me. This extra oh. long session. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. This, yeah. Man. It, yeah. It's probably the same amount as our other ones, though. But uh, so uh, yeah. that's our show. Thank you uh, for listening. You can find more of the Murderboard podcast on Instagram at murderboard underscore pod and on Twitter at murderboard the. Then you can ask questions and leave comments. Feel free to request what you want us to, uh, you know, talk about next. Don't forget to share the podcast with family and friends and look for new episodes on Friday. We will catch you again on the murder board. I'm just not, not going to lie, though, like my Apple Watch dinged while I was talking. I don't know if you guys heard it, but what after I it, heard it, it was mm-hmm. okay. yeah, but after it dang, I had like this feel like, oh shit, someone's behind me and I'm talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> I had to like look back, but there's no one behind me.
Believe me, if it was multiple or if it was just one, they're all old now. <laughs> or just or dead. Found that some psychologists believe that the Zodiac was multiple personality disorder. Like he had multiple personalities, so that's why all the kills were different. Yeah, that would and the handwriting was yeah, different. It kind of just made me think of split. <laughs> like, oh so they should yeah. just check the zoo. <laughs> the zoo. <laughs> they should just check the zoo. <laughs> Maybe there's a He's in, he's in a chilling yeah, there's, just, there's some bold, muscular guy down there that everyone's forgotten about. Or maybe it is. Just breathing uh, heavy. Maybe it is Ted Cruz. We don't know. That cracked me up. I just think that... This is fucking hilarious. I think, like, I really feel I really feel like, like the people who, uh, like, do, do heinous shit and don't tell until they're about to die... I was like, thank you for at least telling me. I just hey, want to know. That's some pussy <laughs> shit. Like, if you ever watch The Irishman, that's that entire movie. The guy's dying, so he's like, like Robert uh, De Niro's character, he's like dying. It, again, it's it's, a, uh, it's three timelines. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but, you know, that's... I've oh, seen okay, it because It's three timelines, but the main timeline is him dying and telling this whoever's like paying attention. Like he's telling the audience, but supposed to be like a reporter about all the sh- people he's killed and shot for the mafia. And I'm like, you pussy. <laughs> I would have died with that. Like just sit there and be like, yep, I'm going to be dead in a few days. So uh, I killed that guy. I killed that guy. Oh no, but that guy killed. <laughs> I mean, it would be nice. I just want to know though. Like, I feel like there are some things that the world is just curious to know. <laughs> It's like the whole. It's like the whole thing about like the. I mean, just the same thing as like you know, if a tree falls in the woods, anybody hear oh. it? You know what I'm saying, wouldn't it be nice to know if someone if you, know you heard that, it? I do. Uh, yeah, because yeah, uh, I can agree with that. But then again, I like mystery. So just to be able to like fuck with America, fuck with the world, and just keep it going. <laughs> I would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's a difference in keeping it going and you're alive and you're laughing at everybody and keeping it going as far as like you die and no one ever knows. It forever. is an ultimate mystery, though. Yeah, like uh, Shelton knows. I can be. I don't give a fuck about the ultimate <laughs> mystery. I want to like, know. Shelton knows. You want to know? I'm just curious. Who did it? That's just that's even better. Like all I'm, I'm saying sorry, is, like, if it was me and Shelton knows this, like if I did it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't outright admit it. I would just be cryptic as shit yeah. and then die. Like people would just be like, well, "What the <laughs> hell was that all about?" Wow. So it was, we'll still be stuck yeah, in confusion. No, I, I think he had like uh, something to tell the story. <laughs> I would just give like a I would leave a riddle and then just die. <laughs> I'd be like, eh, you wanna know oh, who the wow. real Zodiac killer is? Alright, look left, look right. There's a bat and there's a wife. Check it out. And then, <laughs> <die>. <laughs> and then just like <laughs> and that's it, the riddle. And then and then still no one yeah. finds out. It goes unsolved and it's just like, oh great, Rona. <laughs> 